He's already been dead and it's messed with his head. It's John's post-life crisis. Okay. Welcome to, you know, I think I'm going to change the name of this thing. Uh, I was just calling it Monday Night Live. I think I'll just, I'll go with John's post-life crisis live because uh, I had the uh, the podcast before. That was John's post-life crisis. And I kind of like to do something like that again because I'm a masochist and we're going to try something different as tonight we're going to have Ramsey Nazrella, whose name I probably just butchered, uh, from 11 Warriors join us in just a minute and we'll see how this goes. I've never done this before. And as you know, if you paid attention to what I'm doing, I don't ever test things because what would the fun be in that? But uh, Ramsey is, is a Ohio State guy, and you know what? I'll I'll just go ahead and bring him in. Uh, <laughs> Ramsey, John, <laughs> you probably look at me and thinking, "Holy shit, he's really let himself go." <laughs> no, man. For someone who survived life and death, you you always look really good. <laughs> well, thank you. How you doing? I'm pretty good. I still have to masquerade as an adult to uh, pay my bills, so I'm a little bit more formal than I'd like to be. How is your season, the Ohio State Buckeye season, going? Or should we should we do small talk for a bit? How how are the football Buckeyes doing? Um, yeah, they, they lost a game. Yeah, which... I know. I I thought of you. I thought, oh my God, is he is still alive somewhere? And that's a that's a statewide um, mourning period when when they drop a September game, and then we remember that they dropped a, a September game in 2014, and that ended up working out okay. I think um, if you look at the preseason prognostications for the Buckeyes, they could they could outscore just about anyone, and the, they just would have to play their worst game to allow themselves to be outscored. It's kind of what happened against Oregon. Um, I still think that that could be the case, but we've now seen them trip over themselves a couple of times. They only scored 30, what was it, 34 against Penn State, which should be enough for a team that went to nine overtimes with Illinois. Sorry, Nebraska fans, season opening memories. But, you know, it's college football is awesome because it's chaotic. And so there's no, there's no guarantee that they're going to run the table. That being said, they're really fun to watch. If you're Okay, like, let's, let's go back to Oregon for a minute. I remember okay. this game. The entire left side, I mean, looking from Oregon's standpoint, the entire left side of your defense just like disappeared most of that game. What, yeah, what they did that? not set the edge. It, it actually looked like they were going out of the way to not set the edge because I think Oregon ran three plays <laughs> that entire game. Uh, we should just credit that's just latent Scott Frost ability from Oregon. How, how many years has it been? It's he, They were channeling his – his excellence from his tenure there as a, as a coordinator. Yeah. Ohio state uh, did not do much in the way of defensive adjustments during the game. And then after the game overcompensated by adjusting the coaching staff, because <laughs> that's, that's yeah, what we, you do when, when you drop a game at home in Columbus, you have to, you know, heads have to roll. And yeah. And, what, what, what happened there? Then. Because we're not used to this whole, what do you mean fire a coach or change the, coaching staff i don't get it. 
they they shifted responsibilities. Um, and Kerry Combs was calling the defense. He had never done that before. He's I think he's in his sixties. He's coached in the NFL. He's coached at Ohio State. He's led high school teams, but he's never coordinated a defense. A hell of a recruiter and a really good um, position coach. Can lead a room really well. But it was it was evident the strategy wasn't where it needed to be. So Matt Barnes now calls the defense. It's a bit of a, I mean, if you ever get the chance to be in the headsets during an Ohio State game, it's, they're calling stuff by committee and then the CEO has the final check. With Ryan Day, he likes to spray the field with with footballs and passes and is, is usually uh, not puckered up. Uh, he got a little puckered against Penn State. I'm sure there was a reason for that. Um, with Urban, he just kept falling in love with the numbers advantage. You know, if the quarterback keeps the ball, you have an extra blocker. So that's why Ohio State ran JT Barrett 45 times a game. The defense will be different. They they now, so you can see they've been really since the Tulsa game when after Barnes got his feet wet, they've been mixing things up, making adjustments, and being more attacking than than reactive. And it's helped because you know they haven't lost any games, and that's always helpful. Well, they looked like they got angry. Yeah, they they they. Kind of like with Virginia Tech in 2014, I think they remind themselves that they lost again. They shouldn't have lost every week. So they're playing Oregon every week <laughs> until they run out of out of uh, teams to try to right that wrong against. So I watched the. I mean, we're a partial Minnesota household because my son goes to Minnesota, and my wife roots for Minnesota because uh, they they cahoots against me sometime but we watched that game and minnesota played pretty well up until the third quarter and then you just you guys just out weaponized them uh there were some concerns with cj stroud quarterback cj stroud early in the season and they seem to have uh, worked themselves out very well yeah that, there was a question that, that game was the first time he <laughs> threw a pass in college and you could tell he was a bit timid he's a little little skittish surrounded by really, really good players. The Oregon game was his first home game. And also the demeanor after incompletions, after things didn't go his way, very down in the dumps. Um, he's changed his, he's, he's not, I wouldn't call him cocky yet. He's still a little bit, um, I would say soft in the alpha category. He's very, he speaks more through action than words, not gonna flex on anyone, but he's settled down. He seems very comfortable. When he's comfortable, he throws just an outstanding ball. When he's uncomfortable, he misses. And you can tell Penn State made him a little uncomfortable. Oregon made him a little uncomfortable. Um, but with when Jackson Smith and Jigba is <laughs> is your third receiver and he's being covered by the third best cover guy on the defense, you have a security blanket. And if for whatever reason you yeah. can't find him, Trevion Henderson is somewhere in the flat. So he should be, he's as comfortable as any first time starter that you'll really ever find at Ohio State, probably going back to Arch Schleister. So I think the last time we talked was last year before the Nebraska game, wasn't it? We were in lockdown, yeah. We we had to celebrate the return of canceled Big Ten football. Yeah, it was. It was our first game of the year. And I I think I asked you, at that time, does Ohio State have any de- uh, any uh, weaknesses? So yeah, they didn't. And that that question again this year: Does Ohio State have any weaknesses? Yes, they do. Um, last year they did. <laughs> last year um, you said no. 
Yeah, I told you it was going to go very poorly for for Nebraska, <laughs> and and it, and it did. It's still grateful that the fan base Husker Nation brought back the season. Um, what ended up being their undoing was COVID. They played the best Alabama team of all time with sixty percent of its roster. Right. <laughs> it's it's hard to play that team with no defensive tackles, but they, they tried. Uh, this year it's a little bit different. Um, whole wholesale turnover with defensive. They're still trying to run the same defensive strategy, but you've got a lot of new guys back there. Tons of freshmen get playing time on this team. The most snaps on the team is a freshman at the center, Luke Whipler, who Penn State really schemed towards. Uh, they tried to to attack him and throw off the offensive line, and it worked. So Stroud's a freshman. Travion Henderson's a freshman. The Defensive backfield is just filled with first-time starters, redshirt freshmen, true freshmen. Denzel Burks, the first true freshman since, I think, Andy Katzenmoyer to start the first game of the season, and he's their lockdown corner. So when you talk about weaknesses that Ohio State has, it's guys that have never played in big late-season games. Like the next November game they play will be their first. CJ played so, against Michigan State last year in garbage time when Ryan Day had COVID. <laughs> um, but that was kind of a – he was in when it was already a laugher. Things were a lot easier when he had Justin Fields doing whatever with Trey Sermon, and this is not that team. This is a team that needs to prove itself every week, and that's kind of what's fun about it. They're doing that. So I am brain farting. The, the game is in Lincoln. Yeah, Yeah, it is. <laughs> So the giant Memorial Stadium crowd that will be crazy for our Huskers will certainly get to the young defensive backs as Adrian Martinez pummels them for 400 yards. I mean, mobile quarterbacks with super high ceiling and super low floor, that's that's a it's a classic chaos game. I think Martinez can cause a lot of problems for for this defense. He also is going up against the a defense that scored seven times this year, so they're they're no stranger to, to to getting points while the office is on the sideline. Last week, a defensive tackle who weighs as much as you and I together <laughs> scored a touchdown, which was fun. Um, so I think it's it's going to be exciting. But uh, Nebraska, I mean, you've watched a lot more than I have. They they've been in every game they've played. So they have. There's no reason to to, to think that this will be any different especially since Ohio State just went four quarters with a team that went nine overtimes at home against Illinois and lost. Oh, that's, you know, that's a good point. Uh, I will say from the Nebraska perspective, we we have a problem. I think we've – oh, how do I put this? Adrian Martinez, I, you're right. He has an extremely high ceiling, very, you know, like almost to the core of the earth floor. But I think what happens with – our team is when he comes out and if he starts out well and the offense starts out well, then it's like the rest of the players on the team go, oh, it's going to be that Adrian. And they're buoyed by it. And they're like, all right, let's go. You know, and then last week we lost to Purdue by one score because that's our our punishment from, from God for some reason. There's, uh, no, there's no shame in losing to Purdue. <laughs> I know a little bit about that. <laughs> You know, what do you lose to Purdue? How many how many times have you lost to Purdue in the last 20 years? They are the winningest Big Ten team against Ohio State this century, which means this millennium. 
Don't give them any gas. Don't give them any fuel. They're they're we'll get to some... <laughs> they're better than usual this year, which actually makes them less scary. It's when they suck when when they go, go full superhuman. But Nebraska has that problem. I honestly think that last week in the third quarter of the game against Purdue, that that something broke in Nebraska. I honest to God, I think. Uh, with 10 minutes, nine minutes left, I tweeted that uh, I thought the Scott Frost tenure should be over. But we'll get to that in a minute. But I honestly watched the game, and what I saw was I, a team that just seemed to break. And, I, you know, we have been in all these one-score games and played games really well against tough teams. But um, that's what worries me about Ohio State is, you know, if we come out and we do good stuff at the beginning – uh, maybe we'd have a chance, but if we come out and, you know, go three and out or <laughs> have a turnover in the first two plays, I mean, it's going to be like 89 to three, if they even that. So that that's from the Nebraska side, what I see happening. I think we have better athletes than we've had for a very long time, but they just, they're not putting it together. Um, so you haven't watched much Nebraska or paid much attention to Nebraska? I'll admit to having seen plenty of Nebraska because I just am a consumer of, of college football. I, I, you know, I watched the, most of the Michigan game. I watched uh, most of the Oklahoma game. The Illinois game was all by itself. So I don't think you can judge any team on its first game of the season. You know, they, they do have, they do have more athletes. They do have uh, a scheme. I, they have an identity that I can, that I understand. They make a lot of mistakes, and that's both the players and the coaching staff, and that's something that's just inexplicable to me. I, a lot of that's on Frost. Um, part of – I'm going to do this as as well as I can without fully channeling Ted Lasso. When when Nebraska <laughs> makes mistakes, they think, they're think they thinking about it like nine plays later, two drives later. They don't have that goldfish memory where you're like, all right, it's zero, zero after every play where they can reset. And that's something that at least Ryan Day's Buckeyes are really good at doing. Uh, they do it both after, I guess you watched, you said you watched the Ohio State Minnesota game. They scored like four touchdowns on five plays at one point. And yeah. they went out like not fired up, not like overly juiced, but like, all right, zero, zero. And you could tell they were still locked in. Whereas with, when I see Nebraska, they're, they're good for a couple of brain farts, a couple of missteps, again, high, high ceiling, low floor quarterback. But you talked about three and out and like, here we go again. Yeah, that's what they're prone to do. And it'll yeah. affect them for two or three drives. And that's how you lose games. That's how you lose one score games. You, you have to forget your latest triumph and your latest tragedy and just treat every, every series like it's its own game. And if you win enough of those series, I mean, you come out on top. Nebraska could be undefeated right now. It's entirely controllable. They, they are easily their worst enemy this season. And that's why I'm not sold on Frost being sent down the river yet. He's not just some guy you hired from the Mac. He's not like Tim Beckman. He's like a native son. You have to keep him. I got to have him. We have to keep questions. him? Oh, yeah. You, you, I'm not, I'm not yeah. even saying that. Like I'm not even being cheeky. As a guy who wants Nebraska to be four and eight or does Scott Frost day memes. Like if you go back and look at how long it takes coaches to acclimate and really build to what the unattainable expectation is, look at Nebraska's history. 
man, the, the guys that you have shrines to, they weren't like instant successes. And even to the, you know, some of the dudes you've sent down there, I'll, I'll speak to Frank Solich only because he, he went to OU or not, I'm sorry, for your listeners, Ohio University. And, yes. You know, with their greatest coach. Uh, sometimes, especially at a place like Nebraska, you have to give them time. I mean, John Cooper, John Cooper got like over 10 years. And some of the best things that ever happened to Ohio State happened in his tenure, along with some of the worst things that have ever, have ever happened. So thinking about what Nebraska has been through, this is a guy you want to give some time to. And um, you can see it this year. The fact that they could be, you know, they could be playing, you know, have a better record than Ohio State going into this game, but they don't because of things they did to themselves. They can compete with anyone. They just have to be better at competing with themselves. Can you can you see the chat? As a, as a Gopher fan, please keep Frost. Listen to Ramsey. Yeah. That's pretty funny. <laughs> well, you know what? This is why I wanted to interview people because uh, I like running a website where I have people who have different opinions than me. I never wanted to run a website where, like, I was the guy that said we should fire Frost, and then everybody would fall in line with me. I expect them to. I expect to have people look at me and go, "You're out of your mind. You're an idiot. You're a freaking moron." You know that kind of stuff. And you I guess you know, opinion, but they have to be yeah. grounded in in some sort of reality. You can't hear both sides if one side is completely divorced from reality and the other is like sort of close to the truth. Um, I, I see the argument for Frost having expired his probationary period, but I just told you what my argument is for keeping him. Um, this was more than just a rehabilitation reupholstery project. Also Nebraska's fault. Um, there's no hindsight with hiring Mike Riley. That was, I think that happened the night Ohio state was playing Wisconsin in the big 10 championship game and winning 59, nothing. I'm required by Ohio law to bring that game up every time I'm on another team's pod um, that came up. Like they're hiring a guy that was older than Solich when they fired Solich for being old. <laughs> and, he, and by the way, he's terrible. <laughs> what, what are you doing? You had to dig out of a hole. I don't think you could see the bottom of. And if that means one more year for frost, I, man, he's just about there. Is he behind schedule? Yeah, but he's not off schedule. Just behind. It, this was, this is a tough job, man. This isn't, this isn't the eighties, Nebraska. The whole landscape has changed. Okay. I, I, you know, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I, I am surprised. I honestly, I thought your opinion would be, you, if you want to be the best, you got to, you know, they better perform and smash, you know, or kill that guy. He's worthless. There's He's one scenario for, for me. And I wrote about it during uh, the throes of the pandemic when we had to dig for content in a world without actual football. It's if Michigan and Nebraska traded coaches. And you got Jim Harbaugh coaching Nebraska where he can be his, the best version of himself. And you've got Scott Frost doing the same thing in Ann Arbor. I think they, I think they do marvelous, marvelously well in that pretend universe um, because they're not dealing with the crippling expectations yeah. of being the closest thing to a nepotism hire. Yeah. Um, so, but other than that, no, who, who's going to come in after Scott Frost? Who's going to come in after Jim Harbaugh while we're talking about Michigan? That's a tough spot for anyone to, to step into. You don't want to make the job more radioactive than it is. Those guys have to be given every chance to succeed. When you sign up both of those coaches, you have to write it out. They don't get the usual tryout period. They get a little, you get a little extra because of who they are. 
Do you have, are you, are you a doctor? <laughs> no, I don't even, I don't even pretend to be a doctor. <laughs> I was going to start calling you doctor. I, actually, I, I went to, I went to medical school with Dr. Dre. We both have sick beats. <laughs> okay. Well, this, this is good. Now I'm completely, to see how good you are. I am think completely rethinking my thought process until we get absolutely annihilated by you guys Saturday. Okay. Uh, we're going to go back to Ohio State because I'm going to abuse you for a bit. Do you ever get tired of winning Big Ten championships? No. <laughs> it's the Is, coolest thing. You have, you have many billions of neurons in your brain. Many billions. And is there one synapse that has one tiny shred of sympathy for Jim Harbaugh whatsoever? Zero. <laughs> I'm missing that entire lobe doesn't exist in my head. I have an empathy lobe, but there's nothing for there's nothing reserved for Michigan football. I have plenty of friends who graduated from from the University of Michigan. I love Ann Arbor. I'm I'm a weird Buckeye fan. I can I can say the word Michigan. I can praise Very good. the campus. I went to a couple barn dances up there in undergrad. And uh you know, a couple of my best friends are are I wouldn't call them Michigan men. That's a stupid term that people who went to Michigan don't use. Uh, but I have no sympathy nothing that i want to see about their football team enjoying anything about the sport i want them to suffer until they drop football completely i i am sure that you've been watching my youtube videos that i've been making <laughs> i have uh, i've subscribed have you <laughs> well, oh yeah well, i'm also you. in a couple of them so i mean that's that's one way to get in someone's computer true uh, I have over the past, well, this season, uh, stated repeatedly that the Big Ten West is a mess, that there are really no good teams in the Big Ten West. So you stomp my frost argument into the ground. Feel free to stomp my Big Ten West is a sucky division into the ground. No, they haven't won anything. Iowa is a good team? Iowa has just a horrendous offense run by Kirk Ferentz's fail son. <laughs> uh, they beat Ohio State 55-24. That was five years ago or four years ago. Um, you can't you can't just have a pelt from like one hunt that didn't re result in a in a title. They got to the uh, to Indy once, right? And they they lost to Penn State in 2016. But I mean the the Big Ten West hasn't really won a title since what the, since it was leaders and legends. Yeah. And even then it was Wisconsin winning from the, <laughs> the East side of the ledger when it was playing Michigan state on the West, which is really weird. If you think about it now, no, the, the big 10 West balances off. And frankly, a lot of that's Nebraska's fault. Nebraska should be yeah, more competitive. They waited, they give them historical weights and historically, yeah, the, the divisions look pretty even, but you know, in the last 10 years that we've had these things, it's been lousy. That's how you end up with Ohio State trying to win a fifth consecutive one. I mean, you're facing Wisconsin, who they haven't lost to in over a decade, and then like every every other year they get Northwestern. Who loses to Northwestern? Other Big Ten West teams lose to Did Northwestern. Now, Nebraska beat Northwestern by 50 points. That's well, that's true this year. That that is true this year. They're they're not very good this year. Yeah, they need a they is need there... a consistent uh, ace to go with. Wisconsin, even when it's annoying and mediocre, is good for nine and three, eight and four. Iowa is just so all over the place. Purdue is chaos. Northwestern 
just sort of slips out the back door every third year. Nebraska is the missing piece. Um, yeah. It's hell. It's not going to be Illinois. So yeah, <laughs> this is this is your fault, Nebraska. Yeah, I agree with that. So is who do you think is going to win the Big Ten West? I think the winner of Paul Bunyan's axe is going to Indy. Yeah. So go the Gophers, you think? Probably they're on their fourth string running back now behind Ibrahim. Yeah. It's going to be Wisconsin, and it's going to be boring as hell. <laughs> it probably will be. Right. I think uh, there's a there's a decent shot. It's the, the winner of the Michigan State Ohio State game against the winner of the um, Paul Bin, the Paul Bunyan's axe game. And there's no, there's no, the, the most boring matchup is Ohio State Wisconsin. Every other matchup is at least sort of fun. You've got a rematch. Sparty's just a lot of fun. I enjoy Minnesota football for perverse reasons, ranging from PJ Fleck entertains me to I just, I like that style of football. The fact that they have a fifth year senior quarterback who you can dare to try to win the game and he won't because he's just not very good. Was that Tanner Morgan? Um, yeah, every every possible scenario, but Ohio State Wisconsin is interesting to me. I what I had another question, then this guy's uh, one of the chat things threw me off. It, yeah, Michigan State beat Ohio State in the 2013 Big Ten title game. That's when Michigan State was a legend, right? And Ohio State was a leader. That that won't happen again. They're in the same division now, so you can't credit the Big Ten West with Michigan State beating. <laughs> Ohio State and the Victor Donegan, those are two big East teams. So so when you look at this, I mean, is there anybody in the Big Ten that worries you at all? Does Michigan State worry you? Yes, Michigan does too. Why? I, hold on, I'm being asked if I'm an undercover agent. What? <laughs> I mean, if I said no, that's something an undercover agent would say. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I have, I have, you know, I'm a Gen X. I have Michigan paranoia until I expire. Um, Michigan State paranoia. I've I think I've seen Michigan State lose to Ohio State in person like twice in my life, um, and I'm not that young. So, yeah, especially I've I've seen them losing. I've seen Ohio State lose to Michigan State in the horseshoe like four times. Okay, recently. so this year you they they worry you. Yes, always. I have Mitten State paranoia. It is uh, pathological. Okay. Okay. Because I, I look at Ohio State and I just think uh, your offense just has too many weapons. But on the other hand, Michigan State has Kenneth Walker. So, Yeah. You know, last, last year when we talked, as the season began, we should have both predicted that Michigan State would be a, a national title, title con contender with a Heisman finalist from Wake Forest in their backfield. <laughs> I think that's awesome. It's – Michigan State has been fun all year. In uh, in the Eleven Warriors Slack, um, I predicted Michigan State to do like huge things because I've always been really big on Mel Tucker. I loved him when he was at Ohio State. I didn't think he did all that well in the NFL. I think he was with the Bears for a while and it was lousy. But he really came up under Trestle. He came up under Nick Saban. He, good relationship with D'Antonio. Like that that dude gets program stewardship. Recruits love him. He's not afraid to delegate and macro manage things like offense. Uh, th that's a recipe for doing really big, good things. And he's doing it earlier than you would expect. But I think that's 
because people underestimated him. They, they, they've underestimated him for a while. He's an awesome coach. I love Mel Tucker. I hate you know, loving Michigan go, State coaches. I like D'Antonio too. When you go back and look at when Nebraska did that offense in the second half and then still lost that game, uh, it, it's nothing short of un- unbelievable that we held them that entire second half about a first down and, and then we lose because uh, one, I don't, well, that's it. That's, that's how, that's how Nebraska loses games, man. I'm telling you, uh, you are, Indiana sucks this year. Nebraska is the chaos team. And I, uh, I think this Saturday is the mother of all trap games for the Buckeyes for a couple of reasons. One, because Nebraska is definitely good enough. There's nothing flukish about it. If they clean up their act, they're really good. Two is that there's a weird history of Ohio State playing funky uniform games against Penn State. And then the following week, they go somewhere like Iowa and put up a double nickel. So this is – I this smells terrible for me as, as, a, as an Ohio State fan. Oh, my God. Do I have any more? Let me look at my list of questions. Uh, Michigan, Nebraska, Scott Frost. Wow, you blew that one out of the water. Should we ask for people to ask, bring chat people, bring in questions? And we'll go back through here. Is there any of these you want to take on? I can highlight them. That's what this Bob is asking about impact players on offense who arrive as a freshman and develop. Uh, You're much better suited to answer that. Because, you know, for Ohio State, there's like five guys this year. Um, That's an easy question, but go ahead for Nebraska. Uh, I, you know, the thing is, my memory is so crappy. I couldn't tell you who arrived as a freshman. I'd say Austin Allen, uh, Austin Allen, what is he? Six foot nine, six foot 10 tight end. I think he'll be playing in the NFL on Sundays. He hasn't gotten utilized as well as he could, but, uh, you know, that guy, I, I, that's one, uh, that's, there you go. <laughs> Cam Jurgens probably would be another guy who's, Again, we'll, we'll go back to this. Uh, developed into an impact player. I'd say Cam Jurgens is probably our center. You know, when they he started, he was going to be a tight end, I believe, and then they moved him to center, and he was terrible and terrible and terrible. And now he's uh, modified into a pretty decent center. It's not the it's not the interior of our line that is bad. It's the tackles that are just atrocious. You know, the Turner Cochran is not doing well, and if people have watched my videos, they know I've been really actually quite mean to Bryce Benhart. And, you know, it's probably unfair to that guy because I don't know how well he's being coached, but our tackles are atrocious, which is where, you know, Ohio State, I mean, you don't have a Nick or Joey Bosa this year, a Chase Young, but you certainly have people that can put pressure on the quarterback, right? Um, No, we're all out of Bosa's and there was only Chase Young, but they've, they've got plenty of really fun edge rushers who were wearing Penn State offensive tackles as capes on Saturday night. But, you know, as, as luck would have it, Penn State didn't commit a single holding penalty <laughs> the whole night. Just really good technique, I, I suppose. Um, the Yeah, having bad tackles is – the worst tackles in the – I'm going to bag on Indiana again. They have, they have the worst tackles I've seen for a Big Ten team this year. I can't remember the last time I saw tackles that bad. Ohio State's something like 16th in the nation in sacks because of the IU game. <laughs> like if you play IU, you, you get a bunch of sacks. I, I can't, I, I watch Nebraska. Your tackles don't stand out 
They're not like Orlando Pacey, but they're not they're not terrible. Okay, Marcy asked this question. Here's my question. Do you think Nebraska would have been better if Frost had hired a special teams coach? Uh, I think a lot of head coaches take on special teams as their baby. It's very common. I think my answer to that question is uh, it's kind of, number one, he didn't think Connor Culp was going to come in after being the Big Ten kicker of the year last year and be as horrible as he is. Uh, but, uh, you know, special teams has really hurt us quite a bit. And it's like they, I don't know what they spent the offseason doing, but it wasn't special team stuff. I don't know if we, most teams do not have a special teams coach, right? I mean, our guy is like, uh, who is it? It's Mark, come on, Watson. And he's a linebackers coach and special teams coach. That's how most people do it. You end up doing, it's like side duty because you get X number of coaches in FBS you don't want to spend one on special teams. That's why the head coach is like, you know, this is me getting, taking my CEO hat off and actually getting my, my hands dirty again with, with position coaching. Um, it's, it's tough. Some you, you have to get those things right, but I don't think just head count fixes it. It's coaching. Okay. Team, right? Bob Burke asked Ramsey, do you think Luke Fickle, this is a question I wanted to ask, but I forgot Luke Fickle an Ohio state alum would consider leaving the state of Ohio and coach at Nebraska. Let's say Scott Frost gets fired, obviously. <laughs> I think Luke Fickle, if that's two, it's a two-part question. I think yes, Luke Fickle, an Ohio State alum, would leave the state of Ohio <laughs> to coach in South Bend. <laughs> and maybe that's about it. I don't think really? he's going to uh Baton You don't think he's Los going Angeles. to LSU? He six kids. He re- he he knows the region really well. Um, if Ryan, if, if Bill Belichick retires and Ryan Day goes home, I think Fickle's waiting for that. I, I got that question last week about James Franklin leaving. Would Fickle go to Center County, PA? No, <laughs> I don't think he would do that. I think he can be more, especially with UC joining the ACC. I, th- I think he's Here's in a my good question, spot. John, bide his time until the job he wants, if it exists, comes up. Well, you know, Notre Dame, I guess I Brian Kelly, I guess Brian Kelly keeps hanging on, doesn't he? The uh Fick went to we're the same age. He went to St. Francis de Sales High School. He, he would go to uh to Notre Dame. Here's my question, John. What percentage would you guess Frost is the coach the next year? I fear it's way higher than we think. I think that uh, it really depends on the next three games. That's the uh, correct answer. You know, since Ramsey's blown up my entire fire Scott Frost thing with a really good argument, I'll, I'll admit that. Uh, <clears throat> you can't lose to Ohio State, Iowa, and Wisconsin. That's, those are the three, right, to close? Yes. You can't lose all three. Yeah. I, I, here's, here's, here's how you answer this. If Scott Frost is going to be coached next year, he has to show something. He really does. It, it, we can't finish three and nine, I don't think. Otherwise, all the stuff that we had where there was improvement and all the good feelings, and most importantly, uh, maybe not most importantly to the athletic department, but most importantly to me, I don't want to go through another offseason where I have to figure out and pull like crap out of my head. And my head is really full of crap. 
uh, just to go through the off season and provide content to people. I want to have something happy to write about, not, oh, look, it's Scott Frost coming back again. And I think that's very important for Nebraska. You know, you have to have something to sell next year. It's not about the sellout streak. It's still about putting butts in the stands because Nebraska makes a ton of money off that. I imagine Ohio State does too. But uh, you need you need a reason for people to be there. And right. so much right. the economy in Lincoln depends on those massive six, seven home games a year. So show us something and you can stay. If you don't show anything, I you know, then the percentage goes way up to 85, 90 percent. So, so I've run um, I've run startups before outside of this little world we're talking about here. And one of the things you tell your shareholders, at least in the medical device world, when you're trying to make a contraption that's going to work, you meet with shareholders and you tell them we've never been closer. <laughs> it doesn't work yet, but we've never been closer. And I think about that with Nebraska in 2021, where you've got six single digit losses. And after you lose three, the fact that nothing fell off a cliff, there's no 42 to seven overflowing toilet in there. It's all, he's, he hasn't lost the team. They're competitive. Yeah. They're competitive against teams. They should beat They're competitive against teams that should run them off the field, but they've never been closer. And I think that's what you, that's what you're selling, which sets up, 2022, 2023. Now, if he loses the next three games by single digits, you can just put snake bit on the epitaph for this season because <laughs> you'll have you'll have what nine losses by a total of 50 points or something obnoxious like that. That's just absolutely stupid. But you can also still say never been closer. And you might be able to look in hindsight after next season and say, look at this. It sucked, but this was clearly a turning point from the nonsense that preceded it. We're out of the hole. We're now flush with the, with terra firma. And now we can go back to being the intimidating force we were for people our age's childhood. <laughs> okay, John, if you were the offensive coordinator, what scheme would you be bringing on Saturday? And the, the Ohio State University and Ohio State, I'm sure that's a shot, right? <laughs> and Ohio State University. Oh, there are several. He's right has struggled against the pass rush. You know, I, if I was the offensive coordinator, I'd just I'd be throwing the ball all over the place. And it wouldn't be the freaking sideways passes. I think I'd you know, I'd get the tight ends involved in the game, Austin Allen involved early and I I Samari Torre has all but disappeared from this offense. Uh, he and Omar Manning and Oliver Martin. I think we have good receivers. We have uh well, next to Ohio State, best the best second best receiving core in the Big Ten. So, I don't know. Get out there, balls out. You know, you're kind of up against the wall here. I go. I prefer to go out swinging rather than trying to slug it out with Ohio State because, um, I don't know. I just don't. Number one, we're not going to sustain drives on the ground against Ohio State. How's your Looking rush defense out against Ohio State? Can work for a half. They've got way too much depth. And yeah. so if anyone wants to get into a rock fight with them, they'll take it and then bury you in the fourth quarter. That's that's the gopher game. Exactly. So I would just uh, explode. You know what? I'd explode early and see what happened. And I guess if uh, it blew up in my face, then uh, that's how you live and die. Uh, OSU, Nebraska, 70 to 3. Okay, whatever. It could be could be true. 
<laughs> that was uh that was 2016, I think. It was 16. Ooh, let's look at that one. I was I was at that game. I was at that game. <laughs> Should we hire Urban Meyer, guy who's lived with him before? Um what's the question? Should we hire Urban Meyer? What's the back end of it? No, that's it. Hire oh. Urban Meyer. I, I assume that's for Nebraska. Um Urban Meyer is not coaching Nebraska because it's it says nothing about the state of Nebraska, but it's not a state where Shelly Meyer would accept to live. <laughs> that's a very wow, well, that's a very pointed answer, honestly. Yeah, it's easy. Okay. Let's scroll up back. Did you see any other ones? Uh coulda what do you shoulda. I got distracted. You know, the, um Yeah, there would be uh the uh, I think the thing is, is uh, there are a lot of people, and quite frankly, before we started this conversation, me included, that uh, just believes Frost is done. And I, I still think that there, there's something happened that just broke apart during the Purdue game. And I'll be honest to see, or I'll be uh, kind of, I guess, anxious to see how we do against the Ohio State Buckeyes this Saturday. The, there's some amazing there's some messages amazing coming, in. coming in. Hire Barry Alvarez. Hire Barry Alvarez. I take Ron Prince at this Ron point. I've talked too much about Scott Frost on Scott your Nebraska, Nebraska show. Nebraska this show. is the last thing I'll say. Once he turns the corner, he turns the corner there's, no there's no going back. He just hasn't turned it yet. Once he gets that eight and four, nine and three season under his belt, that becomes the new floor, not this crap that you're dealing with now. And you have to realize there's a price to pay for the hiring malpractice that Nebraska allowed to happen over the past 20 years. Now, okay, what price is that? Is that a price to like God, karma? Is that a price Man, to think about what a bad recruiting a class bad does recruiting to a, a football program? You don't recover in one class that you have to carry it like an STD for four years until it matriculates out of your ledger with, with bad coaching. You've got high school relationships, the coaches, if you mismanaged one like star kid in San Diego that you have to make things right with him and he's hard to get to. The bad coaches are, bad are, coaches are infinitesimally, infinitesimally the details that you find after they're gone, that they screwed up. Man, that's awful. And a lot of what Frost has been doing has been infrastructure that you don't see on Saturdays when he's losing games by single digits. So, man, go absolutely not to Mike Leach. If you didn't like Pelini in Nebraska, Leach is like Pelini on even more Pelini drugs. It's very bad. Uh, Lane Kiffin went by. What do you think of him? Um, I think he's really grown up. I think he's at the perfect spot right now. Uh, Oxford is delightful, and it, it could not be a better match for him. All right. What are, anything else we need to cover? I guess no, the, I mean, you know what. So we we did Big West, we did Big East, Ohio State, Nebraska. I mean, what? what walk me through the the Michigan game from Nebraska standpoint. Like, you know what? I, I watch on the losing end of that rivalry. It's been forever. I can barely remember. I I didn't have any gray hair last time Ohio State lost to, to Michigan. And that's just erotic for me to say. What was that like having them choked and then letting off the off the hook like that? I was I watched that game in a wedding at a small town in Nebraska. 
on a cell phone about this big with a bunch of other people around a table. And the other side of the table had their own cell phone and they'd be like ahead of us. So they'd be sitting there and they'd be going, oh, <laughs> and then we'd have to watch the play after them. Or they'd all, some table across the way, would start screaming and yelling. And then we, you know what I mean? So I didn't, uh, I think the things that stand out in that game are largely the officiating for both sides. It was terrible officiating. And, uh, you know, the, probably the, the one thing that I remember, the key that I remember from that game is the uh, in disconcerting signals call against us with the clapping. And it, what, what the hell? They, they could have called that penalty on any play, and they called it on a third down yeah. and gave Michigan a first down. The uh, Big Ten officiating has just been a catastrophe for a while. This year, it's been it's been so bad, and I know it's I think it's it's very weak for people to think that the refs just don't like my team. They are like holistically bad. I'll give you an example that worked in Ohio State's favor on Saturday. Um, I mentioned Luke Whipler, he's a freshman center. Penn State was attacking him. Clearly, he was rattled. He fumbled a snap. And Penn State recovered it. State the refs blew it deaf, blew dead, it and, dead, and they were like, oh, no, that's a penalty on the center. <laughs> it's a five-yard penalty instead of a, a turnover. And so I'm watching the replay. I'm like, he must have double-clutched because that actually is a penalty. It would have been a – no, no, he just fumbled it. And, I mean, that's not – the whole game. The whole game. It's not have to be better than the refs. You have to play within the framework of lousy officiating. And you just don't practice for playing within the framework of lousy officiating. You play to draw, holding penalties, pass interference. You stay onside. You do you do what you can to not break the rules, not to play within a, an anarchy framework where there are no rules or they could just fabricate rules. You got to get past that. I think that Big Ten is a serious problem with that. But you know, like any business, what's it costing them? What's it costing them? Nothing. Nothing. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Now, do you know any officials? I don't know any Big Ten officials. No. Okay. Years ago, I I had a friend of mine that was a he would you know he was in the ACC. So I have this series of articles from like 2010 where we went through all the officiating, you know, so people could learn about officiating and, and why they didn't call holding. And this year I was at the Minnesota game, you know, down on the field before the game. And I talked to some big 10 officials and I really, what I really wanted to get out of them was uh, I know if you go out <clears throat> and search for any state in the nation that high school athletics everywhere is having hard, a very difficult time because they don't have officials anymore. They're having hard times with scheduling. They can't find people to do games. And a lot of this is because parents are just terrible to officials and the people go, I'm not doing this. So they're losing every year. They use a, they lose a third of their potential hires. Right? So I wondered, yeah, sure. I wondered if the Big Ten had this problem. I, and I asked these guys, you know, I know that high school officials are, a lot of them retired. You know, you always see older guys at games and a lot of them retired because of the pandemic and then they don't have any and they have a hard time. And I wanted to know if that was the problem with the Big Ten. Do you not have enough officials? And they basically said, no, that is not a problem with us at all. And then, the, and then I said, well, I know it's a problem with high school. <clears throat> and one of them goes, well, those high school guys get treated like crap, <laughs> which was interesting in what he didn't say. He said, basically, 
they get treated like crap, but we don't. And I'm thinking, you guys get treated awful, Molly. Everyone. It just amazed me. It's Yeah, it's relative, right? I mean, everyone gets treated like crap. You ever order food and see someone else ordering food somewhere? Like, I see people talking to food handlers like, they're handling your food. What are you doing? Why would you treat someone who handles your food this poorly? Uh, I don't know. Talent pipeline is interesting, but ultimately, sometimes I feel like refs just want to get out of town. Like, if we call penalties, it takes longer. Games already take four hours because of the commercials. So right. why extend them any further? False start penalties are very quick, five yards repeated, but anything that requires discussion and you've got booth reviews that get automatically instigated. I think the result of commercials and um, stoppage that, that the refs on the field don't control, they're calling fewer penalties that are within their control. So you don't get a lot of like phantom holds. What you get are, uncalled penalties and i think that's where people end up complaining the most either way you just yeah you have to learn to play within that that framework there was someone who there's a bunch of really funny comments in the chat but someone mentioned tom herman who (laughs) i think will live anywhere so he's not geographically restricted i think you're seeing with sark this year he's already exceeded several negative thresholds that herman never exceeded in austin he can recruit really well He's outstanding with quarterbacks. Uh, like Mark D'Antonio, I'll always – my most favorite assistant with that national title team in 02 was D'Antonio. With uh, Ohio State in 2014 was was Herman. The fact that they could trot out a third-string quarterback and win three games in a row like that with a Heisman finalist on each team, that, that wasn't Urban. That was Herman. Uh, he's now, I think uh, – babysitting Justin Fields in Chicago, kind of a coaching rehabilitation assignment that doesn't go through Tuscaloosa. Those are rare now. I think he could be available, but, you know, one thing Nebraska should know by now, you don't terminate the coach you have unless you already have the coach. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah. (laughs) Well, you keep in mind though, that was a different athletic director. <laughs> Although I think you know, I think Trev Alberts has been around long enough that if if something happens with Frost, that yes, he will have somebody else will already be in the bag, and we won't have to do like sixty days worth of who's going to be the next coach, which would be a, a really great way to start out the season. One more thing before we go: uh, if you looked at Nebraska's schedule next year. It is, oh my God, go ahead and look at it. It is incredible. Uh, we don't get to play you, but I'll try to remember to interview just you, just the same, because I always enjoy talking to you. But uh, I, I think first, the first five of our games are at home. Wait, wait, I mean, we started Dublin? Nice. Yeah. Okay. But look at that schedule. Other than Oklahoma, and you keep going through that schedule, and you're like, it's set up really well. Yeah. So you'll be you'll be one and oh coming back from Europe, North Dakota, Georgia Southern, and you're heading into Oklahoma off those three games. And if you get through Oklahoma, you've got Rutgers and IU. Yeah. Before you hit Michigan, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Purdue, Illinois, Iowa. Yeah. I if I'm if I'm Nebraska and I'm seeing 
we've never been closer. And I, I appreciate that you've probably heard that before, but I mean like Saturday results right now, you've never been closer and seeing what's ahead. You can't pull. You've never been closer with that schedule. That's, that's a corner turner. That's so you'd, you'd, you'd say keep Scott Frost and let him have next year's schedule. Yes. And I'll tell you that what's not on the schedule, which is interesting because most big 10 teams do this. They'll put December, whatever, Indianapolis, Big Ten title. That's not on I don't, the official Nebraska side. I'm like, you got to add that. You got to be cocky. I mean, everyone puts everyone puts that on their on their schedule. Purdue puts that on their schedule. The closest they've gotten to Indy is when they're at school, 45 minutes away. Um, I will I will send an email to the guy that runs the website. The I'll tell you if you talking about not playing Ohio State next year, this is not the team to be afraid of in Columbus. It's next year because just about everyone's yeah. back. Yeah, they're playing so many freshmen, and historically, Ohio State's best teams are sophomore heavy, and they've never been this freshman heavy, which means look the hell out. Wow. Okay. Do you, Do you want to make a prediction or? <laughs> uh, I think Nebraska is going to take its first double digit loss, but it's not going to be seventy to three or whatever we saw there. I think you're looking at something like, and it's because for a couple reasons, uh, Nebraska's offense. I think is not going to be ceiling or floor. It's going to be steady and score points. Um, Ohio state's got a lot of depth and they're opportunistic. I mean, they score a bunch of points without Stroud being on the field. So I can see something like 42 to 28, 42 to 30. Um, but nothing like it was a couple when JT Barrett went into town and it was like 48, nothing at halftime. It's not like that. This is not that Nebraska team. Okay. Fields did that too. Actually both Barrett and Fields did that. That's not happening on Saturday. <sighs> anything else you you know what you need to do that i did not do a good job of tell him who you are actually oh i'm ramsey <laughs> nasrallah i'm one of the four guys that owns a website called 11 warriors.com it covers ohio state sports i write about whiskey on wednesdays <laughs> <laughs> do you really i do yeah you do that's right i forgot that <laughs> Okay. All right. You know what? I think we're going to, I'll probably, I'll let you go and then I'll spend like two minutes saying, I don't know, nice things to do an outro. Two minutes, your show. Yeah. All right. You know what? I always enjoy talking to you, man. I hope you're doing well. I hope your medical device stuff is going well. Yeah. Uh, Thank you, sir. The only, the only thing that isn't going well for me is I'm trying to finish another book about what it's like to recover from extreme trauma. And I have I've really, I wanted to get it done by November, but it's not going to be done by November. So you've already published a book, hey. man. That's a bucket list thing. You're now publishing two is like, you're running up the score. I I plan to run up the score. I want to write a science fiction universe novel. <laughs> treat, That's an treat, entirely different. Treat it like Northwestern 56, seven. <laughs> All right. Thank you for being here. Take care of yourself, man. See you, John. And, and good luck with the rest of your season. Likewise. All right. Bye. Bye. Okay. That was Ramsey. I always enjoy talking to Ramsey. Next time, I, I will remember to wear headphones. Uh, this is very strange because uh, I, I can't see anything of where I'm actually live. So it's kind of odd. I'm just looking at a screen and I don't get any feedback. So it, it's different software to deal with. But it was very interesting having Ramsey come in and uh, give a different, completely different perspective 
on our struggles with Scott Frost. And, you know, I appreciate it. that's why that's why I think that the world is better off when you have a lot of different perspectives and you're willing to listen to those perspectives, you know, no matter if you think they're a loony. And uh, I, one thing about being a loony, I'll, I'll leave you with this. Uh, I have a brain injury. A lot of you know that. And one of the things that brain injuries do to you is they take your reality and they destroy it. And there are days, I'm not making this up, this isn't a joke. There are days in which I look at myself and think I'm in purgatory. I had been kidnapped by aliens and living in a false reality. Uh, I've been kidnapped by Russians and brainwashed. I, all sorts of those things are kind of a reality for me. So where was I going with that? Maybe I'm a loony. <laughs> okay, that's it for tonight. I hope, thank you all for joining us. Uh, I hope to do this, you know, more often and get better at it. And we'll just see how it goes. So uh, Ramsey was the first live guest I've ever had. And uh, it was kind of interesting. So take care of you all. Uh, maybe there is hope. Oh, my God. Go Big Red. <laughs>